being a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy. I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot. I ain't really got a lot of dots, I just pack them in a box. So I popped up on this pod, now I'm outside of the box. When I pop up on the clock, last thing I think is talk. See, I'm winning it now, loving it three and a thou. They peeping my style, keeping it now, steadily growing my Dow Jones. Oh no, these kids be thinking they prowl. Oh no, no, immediately throwing the towel. See, when it's different, it's different. Go position by position, ain't no issue commission. As a commission, I just listen. They envision my vision and my division. I'm stealing, cause I be willing and dealing. Find me the trade, cause I'm a fiend. I'm a junkie, ayy, and I'm a junkie, ayy. Ain't no denying my supply, I'm a junkie, ayy. See, I'm a junkie, ayy, and I'm a junkie, ayy. Be getting high off my supply, I'm a junkie, ayy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 53 of the Dynasty Junkies podcast, a proud member of the Dynasty Addicts podcast network. I am your host, Rocky Petrella, at Dynasty FF Addict on Twitter. Uh, again, going solo this week, and before I introduce the two great guests we have, I did want to make a little note on that. Um, as regular listeners know, my uh, co-host Scott Sidlow has been away for a bit. Uh, it looks like he's still going to be a little out a little longer than we thought. And uh, I'm actually going to be bringing on a new co-host, and he will be a permanent guy. It's not just filling for Scott. Um, we're hoping Scott comes back, but he's kind of on an indefinite leave, if you will. Uh, so that, that co-host is going to be Andrew Hall. He's a, he's a great guy, really smart. So I think you're all going to like him. I just wanted to let everyone know uh, what's going on. We will have a show next week uh, after our, our planned week off last week. Uh, but enough with that. Let's get into the show here and introduce those two great guests. First, uh, we have... Dave Kluge of Football Guys. Dave, thanks for coming on tonight. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks a lot for having me. I feel like this is a uh, long time overdue. You know, we've been in uh, in that group chat for a little while, talked about it. So glad we can finally uh, get out here and, and talk a little Dynasty tonight. Yeah, looking forward to it. And along with Dave, we have Nate Palvote. Did I say it right? You did. Man, uh, that's yes. awesome. I love I, it. I yeah, love IBT it. Media. Dave, thanks for coming on. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Uh, stoked to be here. This is my sixth show in the last three days, and <laughs> crazy. I, I seriously, I but I love it, man. I love it. I never thought in a million years I'd be doing this, so uh, I take every opportunity I get. And I've wanted to get on with you forever. Like we, you said, we've been in that thieves chat for. I've been in since I think January, right around. So yeah, we're like six months overdue, man. Yes, yeah, glad to be doing this. So. Um, we have a, a main topic of discussion tonight, but before we get to that, uh, I don't know if uh, Dave saw this on, on the show sheet, but we're going to get into uh, Dave's horrible Kyle Pitts dynasty take. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Dave, I, this all came from a tweet where you uh, put out, uh, you know, basically that you thought he wasn't going to be great this year, which I, I'm not even totally against you on that. You know, he is a rookie tight end. Uh, the, the issue I had with and I, I put it in the thread was that um, selling you to say you're going to try and uh, um, buy them later. Uh, so how do you think you're going to do that? <laughs> it's basically what I'm wondering. Like, what do you think Pitts is going to do this year? 
Because I think that people are just incredibly unpatient when it comes to playing dynasty football. And we see this all the time. Like, you know, Noah Fan. I, I still think that Noah Fan is going to have a great career. But right now, you can buy him so much cheaper than you could have bought him as a rookie. And I think that Kyle Pitts, I, I don't think that he's going to come out and hit the projections that people are, you know, expecting of him. Right now on Underdog, which is essentially redraft, you know, he's going 44th overall. That is just mind-blowing. Like, for him to live up to that ADP... He's going to need 900 yards and eight touchdowns, which would be one of the best rookie seasons we've seen from any tight end ever. And I don't think he's going to live up to that. So everybody right now is, uh, you know, it's very easy for the people that drafted Pitts to say, I'm going to hold strong. And even if he has a down year, I'm not going to sell. But we, we hear that often. And th there's almost always a buy low opportunity for tight ends. So do I think that you're going to be able to, you know, get him for a third round pick after this year if he underperforms? Absolutely not. But right now in tight end premium leagues, he's the 101. And if you can trade him after this season for a first round pick, that right there is already an increase in value. So I think that the best thing to do is just wait for him to have an underwhelming season and then try to buy low on him. Um, and, and, you know, how he performs this year is going to dictate how low you're going to be able to buy him. If he ends up completely face planning like TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fanted and, you know, has a 300 yard season, you might be able to get him for even less than a first round pick. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. But I think there's going to be an opportunity to buy low on him either mid season or after this year. Yeah. And, and my contention just was and is that and uh, John Bosch, I, I He's had this take for a while, and I think also commented in your thread. And I kind of just, you know, glommed onto his take because I totally agree with it. But it's just that I think almost no matter what he does, people are so invested in him. You know, people have spent 103 in super flex, like 103s, 102s. He's probably, I don't know that he went 101 anywhere, but I'm sure he has in one QB. Um, so as long, especially as long as there's a tight end premium, I, I, I think, I mean, even Hawkinson, you pointed out Hawkinson, you weren't getting Hawkinson. And most leagues, I think, for less than a first, even after his face plan of a year. And I'm curious, uh, I want to get Nate's take too, but I'm just curious, Dave, what you think he's going to do this year? Because I, I think he would have to be just healthy and unbelievably atrocious for people to be like, okay, I'm out. Like, if he goes even like mid tight at low, like mid to low tight end, like if he's tight end eight or nine this year, people will say, he was a tight end eight or nine his rookie year. Here it comes. So that, that I'm just curious what you think the production is going to be because anything halfway decent, I think he's he's going to hold that value and may even shoot up just because it's confirmed. That will confirm everyone's beliefs that he's on the way, even though he didn't become, you know, George Kittle year one. So so right now, I think that, you know, if he's going to play tight end, uh, I'd be shocked to see him get more than 600 yards. You know, I think that somewhere between 450 to 550 yards is kind of what I expect for him. Uh, where I'd really kind of change my tune is if we see in the preseason that he is taking the majority of his snaps out of the slot. And if he's lining up out wide, if he's taking over as Julio Jones's role and, you know, what they're saying about him not being a tight end is true. Then I'll change my stance a little bit. But if he's got to actually learn how to block and and play inline tight end, that's what causes that really low uh, or that really steep learning curve for tight ends, and why we don't see them break out as a rookie. So if they're going to play him like Mike Gesicki and just line him up in the slot in the majority of his plays, we might see it. But um, you know, uh, right now, knowing that he's got to pick up pass protection and do all the other things that a tight end has to do, I don't expect any more than you know five or six hundred yards out of his. I, I think his ceiling would be five or six hundred yards as a rookie. 
so Nate, well, I want to get your take on this. What production wise, what do you think he is? And do you think there's going to be a buy low opportunity? Because, I, like I said, I just don't think his value is going to get. I, I think at worst it plateaus to where it is now. So I agree with you, Rocky. Um, but I also agree with what Dave's saying. If they're <laughs> expecting him to play the traditional tight end role. I mean, you're capping at 600 yards because there's so much to learn. It's complicated and it's totally different than what he did at Florida. They're going to be asking him to do different things. He's going to be involved in the run game and blocking schemes. And that's that's difficult for a rookie in the NFL. So for sure, if that's what they're expecting him to do. But I think I'm edging more towards the side of he's going to be more in like that slot or out wide. I don't think they're going to use him as a traditional tight end. They have Hayden Hurst. They can use Hayden Hurst in that traditional tight end role when they need him, but they don't need Kyle Pitts to do that. I don't view Kyle Pitts. He's a tight end in designation only to me. Kyle Pitts is Kyle Pitts to me is a wide receiver and I'm looking at it. I think he'll cap a thousand yards. I don't, I I don't think that's out of the question. Uh, Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure I'm even that high at a thousand yards, but I think he's going to do more than the 600 Dave saying. And yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of him lining. I do think we're going to see a lot of him lining up in the slot. Um, we see a lot of the, you know, athletic tight ends doing that. Jimmy Graham back in the day was it. I remember he wanted to be designated a wide receiver because he was lining yes. up in the slot so much. He wanted um, to franchise tag him as a tight end. Yeah, he, he wanted like, to get paid. Not a tight end. Yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. right. <laughs> I think the thing is with Kyle Pitts, like if they do line him up in that traditional tight end slot, it's going to be misdirection because they're looking for trying to get that matchup on a linebacker versus a cornerback or a safety. But otherwise, like, would you, okay, you are the coach of the Atlanta Falcons. How are you, how, Dave, how are you using Kyle Pitts? If you're the coach I mean, of the Atlanta Falcons. I think especially after trading away Julio Jones, I would want to use him out, out wide a little bit. And uh, I, I mean, it, it makes sense. Trust me, I, I understand it makes sense that they'd want to use him as a wide receiver, but his de- designation right now is that of a tight end, and I think that he is going to be playing a tight end. I mean, we saw it with uh, uh, Tennessee last year where the Ar- Arthur Smith was the offensive coordinator over there, and mm-hmm. they ran a lot of 12 personnel where it was Anthony Ferkser and Johnny Smith. Johnny Smith was doing the blocking, and Anthony Ferkser was running the routes, but a lot of those routes were still, you know, he'd have to chip a guy that was coming in to uh, rush the quarterback before he'd go out and, and release on that route. So I think that we're going to see a lot of that as as well where Hayden Hurst might be playing a little bit more in line but there is still a learning curve I don't think that Kyle Pitts is just going to go out there and just be you know lining up um as as a wide receiver I think that he's still going to be playing his tight end and yeah I agree with the learning curve I I I'm I expectations tempered for 2021 but I I think that even with those tempered expectations he reaches six seven eight hundred yards like I said he's just People are still going to just use that as confirmation of what they were thinking. Um, but before, and before we get into the meat of the show, I did have one other tweet I did want to mention. I'm not going to let Nate off that easy either. So let me see if I can uh, share my screen here. Okay. Let me get this. Oh, man. <laughs> Nate, I need you to explain yourself here. For, for those listening on podcast form, Nate, Nate <laughs> tweeted out himself wearing toe socks. Socks with individual toes. Explain yourself. So I have these <laughs> shoes. They're um, uh, called Vibram Five Finger Shoes. They look like gloves for your feet. And yeah. I try. I tried wearing them without socks for like the first two months I had them. And my God, my feet smell terrible. 
and I'm married. So like, that's kind of a big deal. Like I don't like walking around with absolutely horrid feet. So I got socks and today I wore those shoes, but I was doing stuff outside around the house and they're a pain to take on and off. So I just popped on flip flops and I looked down and I was like, well, I think this would do well on Twitter. So I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going for it, I'm doing it. I'm doing uh, I it. think it was uh, somebody in our chat that uh, I think said, I'm, I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Yeah. I think it was, <laughs> wasn't that Sam. I think it was think Sam so. or it was Sam or Craig. Uh, I, I just Look, had to put that up there. <laughs> I'm almost 40 years old. I am a father. I'm allowed to do dumb stuff like that. And it's okay. And Bo, <laughs> yes, you're right. You can't not wear socks. <laughs> if you've okay. ever seen my feet, you'd be like, thank God you're wearing socks. <laughs> But uh, we'll get into the actual, uh, you know, meat of the show here now and, and stop talking about uh, Nate's toe socks. So, uh, which I, I wanted to talk about Dynasty roster construction. Uh, the idea for this actually came out when I knew you were coming on, Dave. I know, and I think this is more for redraft and best ball. Um, I know you're a big proponent of zero wide receiver. Um, so I just kind of put the thought in my head. So I figured we could talk about how we build our dynasty teams. So uh, first, I just wanted to ask if, if when you go into from a startup, or so most of this is going to be from a startup perspective, when you're going into a startup, are you do you have a general plan or build going in? Um, do you like fate? Do you go more robust wide receiver in dynasty because of the, the you know the length of their careers? How do you like to, in, in a general sense, because we're going to get position specific as well, how do you like to kind of go into a startup and, and do you have a plan? Yeah, so I, I'm very much, you know, the zero wide receiver guy, but um, there's two things that I like to highlight when I talk about that, especially on shows, because, you know, when I'm writing these articles for zero wide receiver, first of all, it is 100% for redraft. You know, I think that it makes sense in redraft, but with how short and unpredictable the uh, shelf lives are of running backs, I don't recommend going zero wide receiver in dynasty or you're, you're not going to have a great time so that that is very much for redraft and the other thing i like to point out is that I, I don't treat this like the bible like this isn't how i go into every single draft but i think that the data shows that it is a good way to kind of um look to construct your redraft roster so when i write the articles you know i have data to to back it up but if you're sitting there at the end of the second round and calvin ridley or aj brown are still on the board i think you'd be crazy to pass them up you still have to use your brain and and you know not pass up on, on good value but i think that it just makes sense if you want to try to leave your first five rounds with you know three to four running backs but in dynasty and and you know because i'm the zero wide receiver guy when i join these dynasty leagues people are always blown away <laughs> in the startups because i am targeting the heck out of wide receivers and then what i'll usually do is wait until a little bit later pick up some veteran running backs which have almost no value in dynasty startups at all and i'll plug in guys like David Johnson and, and Melvin Gordon and, you know, these guys that, you know, you can get in the seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth round, um, start those guys for, you know, the, the first year or two and then really attack running backs in the draft. But when I'm drafting in Dynasty, I want young wide receivers early. I'm, I'm trying to lead with as many wide receivers under the age of 25 as I can in the first few rounds. And uh, I'm, I'm going to ask Dave this too, but uh, I guess, again, Nate, same question, just sort of you're, you have a general plan going in. And I did want to ask you both, you generally tend to go more win now. Um, did you either of you like to do the productive struggle thing or, or what are you looking to do? So general construction on my rosters, I go in with an open mind. I want to see how my league mates are drafting and how that's going to play out and kind of get an idea of what can I do? Where can I do it? How can I draft? Once I get past that, 
I'm heavy on running back early. I'm heavy on quarterback early, especially super flex, obviously. Um, and I kind of float wide receiver later. Like I'm okay with getting that more veteran wide receiver. Um, DeAndre Hopkins is not a good example. Um, who's a good example? Robert Woods. People are sleeping on Cooper Cup. You can get a little bit later. And like I'm okay with having both, especially with Stafford coming in. I think that there's enough production in that offense for both of them to be completely relevant. And then after, like I, unless I can get Kittle, I'm out on Kelsey. I feel like he's going to fall off here in the next like year or two. So in a startup, I'm kind of staying away from him. And if I can get Waller or Kelsey or Waller or Kittle in the first like two to three rounds, I'm on it. Otherwise, I can wait. I can go after a guy like Hawkinson in the fifth, or I'm okay with getting a guy like Gasecki in the sixth, seventh, eighth round. Like that's fine to me. Um, I just try and stay fluid. Like I, every league's different. Every scoring layout is different. And you're drafting with people with different ideas of what they want and what they feel like they need to reach for. Um, I'm in one now where like, it's just, it's blowing everything that I thought out of the water, everything that I've done in every other draft, <laughs> but I'm with it. We converted our home league to a dynasty league and it's always been redraft and half of them don't know what dynasty was before we started this draft. Like the slow draft concept blew their minds a little. <laughs> um, we had some people freaking out about like, Oh my God, we're starting the draft at 10 o'clock. Like, I don't, I have to work. Like, that's fine. You have eight hours to draft. Like, it's fine. <laughs> Just block um, off the next month of your calendar yeah. because this draft isn't going right. anywhere. <laughs> yeah, we so, had to do that in my home dynasty league last year because of COVID. We did a slow draft for the first time. And, and yeah, everybody was like, what? Eight hours? They were actually like, what? We have eight. Why do we have to have eight hours to pick? Like, I'm like, <laughs> people have lives, people. <laughs> we've got kids. We've got jobs. Yes. <laughs> like, so I guess like ultimately what I'm saying is that I don't have like a blanket strategy. It changes. I'm flexible. Um, I like to be malleable going into some of these drafts because I want to know my league mates and that changes my strategy because they're going to draft differently in one league than they will in another league. It's like maybe let's say the chaos league, totally different rules, complete chaos. That was a different draft. I threw everything out the window for that draft. It's like, I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm just going to start picking players as they come up and, like hope I'm making a good decision because I have to abide by it. It's all completely different. So, so being we're, we're, just, just kind of going off of what you're saying, Nate, I've been doing this fun exercise in best ball drafts lately because I was doing so many and I was getting the same people. Like I was just getting the same guy in the first, mm -hmm. second, third round, and then attacking the same guys every single round. So what I started doing is just auto picking my first four picks where it's just Ooh. pure value. And then from there, then I try to salvage it where it's like, all right, like I got four wide receivers. Like, I guess I'm going zero running back now. And it's kind of a fun exercise to force you how to think outside the box in the way that you like to draft. Just go pure value at the first three or four picks and then try to salvage the team from there. I don't hate that. I don't hate that. It's and fun. I guess when you're when you're doing yeah. like fifty to seventy five of them, you can you can kind of do that with some of them, can't you? Dave? I think I think I just hit a hundred today. Actually, 100, okay. <laughs> well, who was that one guy you were talking about where he was showing percentages of players owned and how much money he had spent in those oh, yeah. leagues? And it was like, what what did we figure? It was like three grand. Yeah, this guy was like into. over three thousand dollars in. It was like twenty percent ownership with this guy and seven hundred dollars. And we we did yep. some quick math and. <laughs> Oh, Ryan, I, I do $3 drafts here, all right? 3 to $5. That's, that's where I'm at. Which uh, I don't know why I haven't done one. I need to jump in one of those with you guys. 
Yeah, I, I haven't really been on the best ball thing either. I recently did get signed up for it, though, so I might have to hop in. The, you guys do too many, I think, fast drafts, so I can't do those during the workday. So. <laughs> right. And I've got the slow graphs cooking in the background all the time, too. <laughs> okay, but um, I did want to get into sort of – well, actually, I did want to ask um, – and funny, Ryan did pop in because I actually this was a question that came to mind when I came up with this topic. I heard him mention on the Locked On podcast that he likes in the first five or six rounds um, to not pick anyone uh, that he doesn't think will increase in value, um, which obviously is a good thing to go by. But I, I, I know I don't necessarily ever do that. Like I, I, I tend to be a more win now player and it's easier to do, I think, in those first couple rounds, maybe. But. Uh, I'm just curious what you guys think of that idea, and have you is that in the back of your mind when you're drafting? So I, I guess I'll go to you first, Dave. Yeah, I, I feel like this is one of the times where you can kind of do both. Like you can draft youth and win now at the same time. That's 2020 class was loaded with running backs and wide receivers. So like you know that that I, I understand why somebody would say that you want to only draft people that are doing that and kind of set yourself up for the future. But right now you can draft yourself a young team. That is still win now. I mean, I don't have to sit here and name all the people, but right. we've got like 20 people out of this 2020 draft mm-hmm. class that are going to be absolute studs. So um, there's a huge change of guard happening in the NFL right now. And and I feel like you don't really have to choose one or the other. You don't have to do the productive struggle or the win now. You can kind of do both at the same time, which is a, a pretty unique situation to be in this year. Yeah, my, my struggle with that is just when I see guys like, uh, e- even though they're not going to gain in value, Devontae Adams falling. So I think I, I'm going to start up now. I think he fell to the third. Uh, mm-hmm. Or DeAndre Hopkins went in the fifth. Like, I, I have a hard time laying off those guys because I generally do try and win year one. But what about you, Nate? Um, you know, I always try and win year one, of course. I mean, championships are what it's all about. But I like having that long-term value in a player where you know that their value is going to increase. I'm not great at doing that. Like I get to my pick and I'm like, ah, but I want Devonte Adams so yeah, bad. So exactly. I'm just going to take him because he's still here. Um, I've done a few drafts like that where I've kind of looked at it like stock market, I suppose is the way I've put it. Like I'm drafting stock market style and I'm looking for things that are going to increase where I've taken Jonathan Taylor in the second round. And I'm not a huge Jonathan Taylor fan. If you've ever heard me talk about Jonathan Taylor, don't love him. Don't love the situation. We can argue about that another time, but I will take him in that situation because his value is always, he's far more valuable now than he was this time last year. So that's an increase and you can sell him for more and maybe you can get good picks or you can get like, I don't know, someone I'm higher on like Antonio Gibson for him and be happier with your roster a year later. Right. And, uh, okay. So I want to get into some more, uh, position specific things. We kind of touched on it some, uh, between the two of you, but, uh, it like, for instance, in Superflex, how you handle quarterbacks going into the draft, anyone who's listened to me on a regular basis. Uh, if you guys don't know, I, I am a weight on quarterback guy. I like to let the uh, I, I've been trading out of the first round in startups I've done this year because they're so crazy with quarterback and there's so much value you can scoop up in the second and third. Um, I generally try to draft guys um, in that 13 to 20 range, get two or well, three of them if I can. Um, and I, I let everybody else scoop up the elite guys and I scoop up elite guys at the, at the other positions. It sounds like uh, from what Nate said and the look on Dave's face as I was talking that neither of you like that idea. But Dave, how do you do it? 
I mean, that that's tough. I've, I've made that mistake in the past where I have tried to wait on quarterbacks and it usually doesn't work out well for me. You know, it's not fun when you come out of a draft and you've got, you know, Kirk Cousins, Mitch Trubisky, uh, Dwayne Kirk Haskins. Kirk Cousins is my guy, Dave. <laughs> and, and Kirk Cousins, you know, he's, he's a great he's a guy. QB1 looking... five of the last six years, just going to say. Yeah, and, and and he's a low end QB one, absolutely. Yes. But I I feel like, and I I feel like quarterbacks are kind of similar to tight ends right now. Where like a QB one isn't really doesn't really mean all that much because the QB ten, QB ten, uh, eleven, QB twelve, that's nowhere near what you're getting from the production at your QB one and your QB two. You know the the Lamar Jacksons and the Josh Allens and the Kyler Murrays. So I, I really think that there's a big advantage, and I feel like using. QB one and tight end one is is kind of tough because there's still a pretty big gap there. So I, I really want to get those elite guys. I feel like there's a huge advantage when you can have an elite uh, quarterback, especially a young guy with rushing upside. So I, I definitely, if I'm in a super flex league, I want one of those guys. You know, I feel like there's kind of a fall off after the top five. For me, it's Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray. I want to do whatever I can, even if it means trading up in the first round, to make sure that I get at least one of those guys. And I hear you there. And I do think, especially last year, I think there was more of a difference between those high-end guys and even the lower-end QB1s. Um, I think in past years, um, it has been a little a little more flat that you could get uh, good value from those low-end QB1s. And I also think we sometimes overrate our ability to predict who those high-end guys will be. Like you even mentioned Lamar Jackson, who, who was obviously great two years ago. He was QB10 last year and wasn't that many points ahead of... Uh, say a Kirk Cousins or, or even Ben Roethlisberger who finishes, I think QB 12 or 13, depending on your scoring. Um, and I, I just, it, it definitely takes some uh, cojones uh, to do it my way. You have to be willing to be active. Um, basically the way I do it is I just keep trying to recycle into the next like old guys. Like I had a lot of Phil, uh, Philip Rivers and Drew Brees and those kind of guys. And now they're gone. So now I'm transitioning to the Kirk Cousins and, and uh, other undervalued guys. Right? <laughs> I, I like to have a guy I think might have at least more than a year. Carson Wentz is another one I think could bounce back and is, is, is un, maybe a little undervalued right now. Um, he's definitely yeah. going ADP in the mid QB two range, or even and even if you want to go young, you can sometimes do that as well. Like two is is a QB two by ADP um, if you think he's the real deal. So you don't even have to go old, but the, that often be, tends to be the way that I do it. But Nate, I think you said earlier you definitely do you like to go two elite, trying get two guys in the top twelve, or are you, are you going like round one, round two, or you, you? I know a lot of people like to go with the one guy, and then they might wait a little bit, like I do. So my my strategy as of late has been to get one of the younger guys like a Burrow or I mean, I'm even reaching on Justin Fields because I think that he's being totally undervalued. And I think he is going to be someone that we are talking about being in the running for rookie of the year at the end of the season because he's going to just have an exp- do that offense like I am like I'm drooling over him. I love it. <laughs> I love everything about it. Um so I'm going after I'm going after a younger guy early. That's going to be my first pick. I'm going to get one of those younger guys. The five Dave mentioned. I've got a couple other guys. Like I, I'm not afraid to go over go after Trevor Lawrence because I think his long term value is going to be huge once they get Urban Meyer out of Jacksonville. And I think generally what I'll do so I'll grab a young guy that I have long term, but then I go in and grab that vet that guy that's being a little bit undervalued and maybe slipping in some of these startups guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick, who I'm really high on 
Tom Brady, who I love. Um, there are a lot of veteran guys you can get to plug into that super flex. They're going to have phenomenal passing numbers that you're going to love and you're going to be happy with for two seasons or a season. And that's kind of like my, that's where I want to win. That's my win now strategy in these drafts mm-hmm. is that I'm getting the one reliable veteran that I know is going to put up points for me. And I'm getting the one guy that I know is going to be that veteran eventually that is just consistently putting up points for me. Yeah. And I, I don't hate that. I, 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 if I, I definitely don't like to go with two early. Uh, I have occasionally tried the one early one later thing, but like I said, I, it worked, it's worked for me. I I've won that way, but yeah, I think, I think it's uh, a lot comes down to your risk tolerance. Uh, yep. It's basically what it is. I, I'm just more willing to be risky at the quarterback position than most people are. Um, but uh, sounds I don't, I can't fault what you guys are saying either. Um, I just I, I think you I, I think you can get an advantage from from getting those points that those undervalued points from Cousinses and Wences and things like that and bulk up with you know Barclays and and other guys at the other positions. But uh, let's move on to something else I wanted to talk about, which is tight end. Um, and again, Nate, you did reference this earlier as well. This is, I am very big. I'm team elite tight end. I, I try and get Kittle, Kelsey, or Waller in every draft. If not, I like getting Hawk right now because I'm super high on Hawk's uh, uh, forecast for 2021. I think I've said I think he's going to hop into that Kittle Waller tier this year. I think he's going to lead that team in targets. Um, but I always try and get that. I think to me that that is even a bigger advantage of quarterback than quarterback. If you can get that elite tight end that produces one of those top three guys, or maybe Hawk makes it a top four. Because um, the the rest of like Dave said, the rest of tight end is such a wasteland. Tight end one really doesn't mean anything beyond the top three or four. Um, so. <laughs> Dave, do you do you like to go elite tight end, or do you punt it, or you see how the draft? I'm sure you do see how the draft goes, but generally, when you're going in, are you trying to get one of those guys? Or are you just like I'll I'll go later, or even mid tier, like a, an an Andrews or Goddard or Fan or something like that? Yeah, so I, I think the mid tier tight ends are a huge trap, and there, there's a few exceptions I'll make. You know, I do like Noah Fan, and if Noah Fan drops to a really reasonable uh, spot, you know, I'm okay taking Noah Fan. Evan Ingram is another guy that I'm okay taking if he drops to a reasonable spot. But you know, when I see people reaching for uh, T.J. Hawkinson and, and Dallas Goddard, I think that you're just setting yourself up for failure. Like we fall for this trap all the time, so I really don't like to unless like the value is just way too good to pass up. But I'm definitely trying to get one of those top three guys and if i don't get a top three guy i'm usually not even looking at uh tight ends until i hit like the 12th 13th 14th round and um yeah i, I think the one guy that i've kind of been making an exception for nate i saw your your stink face when i said it a little bit Ev- evan ingram you know he's still relatively young <laughs> and he's, yeah. he's a guy that he's he's not great but i feel like he's got a tight end one floor at this point like you know that he's still gonna at least be involved in the offense. I don't think that he's got a high ceiling. I think that, you know, he has really failed to live up to his expectations. And because yes. of that, he just elicits this emotional response where people hate him because he hasn't lived up to what we wanted him to be as a rookie. But at the end of the day, you know, he's still going to see like 80 to 100 targets and he's going to put up solid numbers for you. So he's a guy that I've been consistently going after in the 10th, 11th, 12th round. And, and, and I'm okay reaching for him there. And then uh, the other guy that seems to be dropping that I can't really understand why is Johnny Smith. So th- those are the two guys that I wouldn't say I reach for, but you know when they're around in the double-digit rounds, I- I'm okay taking them if I miss out on the big three. 
Yeah, Eng- Engram is an interesting one because, yeah, everybody hates him. At the, I mean, his value has bottomed out to a point that I think has gone way beyond where it deserves to. Uh, he's definitely disappointed, but, but yeah, he's and, and he's still only, what, 25, 26? So, uh, but, Nate, what, what, what do you think on the tight end position? So I'm with Dave. Like, if I can't get one of those top three guys in the first two rounds, I'm kind of out on tight end until it gets later. Um, I grabbed Janu in the 12th round of a startup today. So um, I'm good with that. And if he's my tight end one, I'm totally okay with that. He's being so undervalued. And if you're in a draft with me, I, this is opposite day. I'm kidding. Like don't draft him early, but for real, he's being so undervalued and he's a guy you can get like in the 10th, 11th, 12th round. Who's probably going to put up like wide receiver numbers this year. New England has Jacoby Myers, Nelson Aguilar, and Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry. We know Hunter Henry's probably not going to be a factor in the passing game. I love Johnny Smith. Um, I love where you're getting Hawk in a lot of these drafts because it's later than you should be getting him. Um, I think Gerald Everett might be kind of a little sleeper at tight end, and I'm okay with getting him in like the 14th, 15th Everett. round. Mm-hmm. I, there's, there's people lean too heavily on tight end, and there's a lot of tight end premium leagues. And I get like a guy like Kelsey – Kittle and Waller, they're almost cheat code in tight end premium, and that's great, but you can get that value in tight end premium far later and not worry about having to reach for one of those three or reach for a guy in the fourth, fifth, or sixth round. They're the guys that Jimmy Graham, Dave, I saw you talking about him earlier today. And as much as it sickens oh, me, he's I, free. He's free. He's free right now. He's free. <laughs> yep. And they signed him, they re-signed him for a reason. They feel like he has something in the tank. I mean, fields to Graham for like, I don't know, seven, eight touchdowns this year. I mean, I could see it. I could see it happening. You know, you know who else I don't hate? And and these are names like I, I like to go after the guys. If, if you see the guys that I like to hype up on Twitter, it's the guys that like when you say their name, people are just like, Ugh, and, and they just are disgusted by them. And it's gotten to the point where they are values of that. And that's, you know, Chris Carson, Joe Mixon, Tyler Lockett. Yep. And we already talked a little bit about Evan Ingram. But another guy is OJ Howard who has pretty much face-planted as a rookie. But I think that O.J. Howard still has a long career ahead of him. He's only 26 years old. Health has been a huge struggle. Um, You know, the one year that he was healthy was when Jameis Winston just was locked in on Mike Evans on one side of the field, Chris Godwin on the other side of the field, and didn't care about a single other pass catcher. But I think that O.J. Howard still has an opportunity to have a decent career. We see so many tight ends break out around that age 28 29 he's still 26 years old and he's another guy that can be had for almost nothing in dynasty startups right. right now and stash him on your bench wait a couple years and hope that maybe he can blossom into something you know i think that this season if he stays healthy we saw flashes of him being really good and really involved in that offense before he got hurt mm-hmm. brady likes two tight end sets yep so what's not if, if howard stays on the field and you're getting him super late what's not to love about his value mm-hmm. yeah and uh, two things I just want to mention. You, you mentioned Chris Carson. I, I think that uh, his value may be rising after that picture came out earlier this week. Uh, <laughs> of course. Uh, That's right. And, I already locked in my 60% exposure. In I know. Ball, you were but, all, like, <laughs> over Chris, all over Chris Carson since the season ended. But um, And uh, I, I do, you know, I think that's the way to go. I think that's not, you know, too far out of whack to say that 
you know, get to get one of those top three. Um, and, and then if you don't get them, just wait forever. But I will disagree a little bit with what you had said on Hawk. I think, I think, I think if you get Hawk, you're getting him before he, because I, I just, I have a firm conviction. He's going to hop into that elite tier. So, um, but, but if you don't believe pass him by, but I think you're getting him at a cheaper price and you could get like Kittle production this year. Um, one more tight end, uh, Gary in the chat says Irv Smith has been a good value. I was curious to get your thoughts on Irv because I've, I've loved him forever, but I've cooled a little on him. The, the, maybe it's just coach speak, but the Vikings seem to be talking up Tyler Conklin a lot for some reason. Um, and uh, I'm just curious what you guys think of Irv there in Minnesota. What, what do you, what do you think, Nate? I'm interested. I don't think he's going to be I, – I wanted him to be something last season. I talked about him a ton on a few waiver wire shows I was on. He he would just – I'm out. I, yeah, and, he, and I love Gary. Gary, I love you, buddy. But I'm just <laughs> – I'm out on Irv Smith. And he, he did come on a little bit in the last year, but I think a lot of that was touchdown-based, which mm-hmm. you know we can't depend on. Are, are you with Nate on this one, Dave? Uh, I mean, I, I don't hate him. Um, I, I think that he's got a lot of talent and he sees, he, he's what you want in a fantasy tight end. Like he's not going to do that inline blocking. He's going to go out and run some routes and catch some passes. Um, what what kind of blew my mind, I, I just tweeted this out the other day, but Irv Smith was second in fantasy points per target last year among all tight ends. So now with Kyle Rudolph out of the picture, if he's able to capitalize on that and see some more targets and keep that efficiency up, we could see a monster breakout. But um Again, I, I never know what term to use besides two mouths or too many mouths to feed. I feel like I say this on like every like fifth show that I'm on, but you got Delvin Cook who's going to be involved in the passing game. You got um, Justin Jefferson who only saw 88 targets last year, which was it, it just That's insane. Sorry, 88, re- 88 receptions. Sorry, 88 receptions. But and I you're think he see, still only had like what, 100 and yeah, yeah, some of the best numbers for someone with that many targets. I don't know what the exact stat is, but so uh, I, I think you're going to see a massive boost to him. You're going to see, you know, Adam Thielen is still going to be involved in the passing game. So I just don't know how much is going to be left over for Irv Smith to get. But with with Kyle Rudolph out of the picture, we know that Kirk Cousins likes going to those big bodies in the end zone. So I think Irv Smith is a decent dart throw. But the problem is right now his ADP is starting to creep up to the point where he might not even be a value at this point. That, yeah, that's what I was thinking. That he's sort of ADP wise, anyway, kind of creeping into that that almost mid tier range, going ahead of guys like Janu and and uh, and Gerald Everett and things like that, where you have to to reach a little earlier for him. So th- that's kind of why I'm cooling on him as well. Um, so I just kind of lumped a running back and wide receiver together here, and just kind of again, I think we talked about this a little in the general construction. Uh, uh, point at the beginning of the, the discussion but uh do you uh, particularly this year i think what dave said earlier is that you know wide receivers longer shelf life um but particularly this year i like the idea of getting running backs um because we do have so many young guys that are out there right now um and wide receiver is so damn deep so uh th- there's so many guys that you can at least uh you know expect to get you double digit points in ppr in any given week so uh, Nate, what, what what do you think in terms of running back wide receiver balance? Do you like to go? Uh, like I said, it's more so. I think as a general rule, most dynasty people will say you know wide receiver over running back because. But I think you need running backs to win. So, um, so Nate, what do you think? So I go heavier on wide receivers that I know I can start, that I know their value, but I reach on running backs a lot. So I'll tend to have more running backs on my roster than wide receivers because I have stashes, guys like Ty Johnson, 
who I'm like, ah, they're or LaMichael Perrine, where I'm like, maybe there's a week where we see what they can actually do. Um, I have fewer of those guys wide receiver wise. A uh, Colin Johnson was one that I rostered pretty heavily last season towards the end of the season. Um, just he had that one breakout game and that was really great because I actually started him that week. And then he didn't do anything. He just didn't get the opportunity. But like I, I kind of I lean towards that with running backs because the injuries are more prevalent in running backs. You tend to see them get hurt more often and miss time more often, whether it's a quarter or a game or two. So I'll reach for the running back. So you're generally going to see me with a ton more running backs on my roster than wide receivers, but you're going to see more elite wide receivers and more relevant wide receivers than you will running backs. Yeah, and I do tend to kind of go for the elite running backs. Like I said, specifically this year, I've done three or four startups. Um, I have multiple Swift shares, uh, multiple Saquon shares. Um, but I also think it's a really good play, what you were saying, to, to kind of grab a lot of guys later in the later rounds, just the – all those guys that who are an injury away, um, you know, can get you a, a league winning, not league winning, but week winning uh, performance um, in any given week. And and as uh, you know, many people have said, you, you, it's more predictable too. Like if if the starter goes down, you can you can see that that guy is going to get you points that week, where it's not always the case with the wide receiver. Well, uh, unless they, it's, unless it's Alexander Madison, <laughs> because I got screwed on that one. We're, we're uh, Mike Boone on the same team that I think they had oh, that one week. Everybody God. was starting Mike that Boone. That was champion, championship week, too. <laughs> yeah. That was week 16, and he burned. Yes, it was. Everybody. everybody. Yeah, I it was uh, actually quick story. This was in my home league, and we were down. I had $35 with a fab left. The guy I was playing against in the championship at 36. He dropped all 36 on Mike Boone, started him, <laughs> and I ended up beating him that week. It was, it was beautiful. Sweet. <laughs> I love but, that. Where are you at on the on the running back wide receiver, you know, balance in your roster construction, Dave? Yeah, I definitely like to go after wide receivers early uh, when it comes to dynasty, just because we see this fall off. I mean, it was just was it two years ago that Todd Gurley was the unanimous number one overall mm -hmm. running back, and obviously, you know, it's a little bit different. He had a degenerative, you know, disorder in his knee. That's not going to happen to anybody. But we we just see running backs fall off all the time. You know, Le'Veon Bell is still just 29 years old and he had a year off. So everyone was saying that would extend his career. He can't even find a job right now. I mean, it's just unbelievable how fast these guys disappear. On the flip side, you see guys like Julio Jones that have just been putting up wide receiver one numbers for 10 consecutive years now. So I, I definitely want to go after the wide receivers. But there's two huge discrepancies in ADP right now that I want to call out because these are two that I do not understand at all. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Antonio Gibson are consistently dropping into the late second round. These guys are... You know, there's second year guys. They're on offenses. Clyde Edwards Alaire, at least, is on a great offense. Antonio Gibson is on what should be an improved offense. But I think both of these guys are going to be RB1s for the next, you know, three or four years easily. They've got pass catching upside. They're on electric offenses, and people don't want them for some reason. So those are the two guys that I'll really kind of break away from quarterbacks and wide receivers. If Clyde Edwards Alaire and Antonio Gibson are there in the late second, I'll, I'll pull the trigger on them without thinking twice. Man, I agree on Gibson, but CEH, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. I don't see it in that it's specifically in that Andy Reid offense and the way that they operate with Mahomes. I just mm -hmm. like I can't bring myself to I can't do it. So the the big thing, you know, he had the he had the one game um where he completely blew up last year, but even if you look at the other games where he might not have done that well uh from a fantasy perspective, he still was putting up scrimmage yards. He just didn't score any touchdowns at all. 
But right. prior to prior to Le'Veon Bell coming there, he was third in the league in scrimmage yards. Um, so I mean, they they want him to be a part of the offense, and they're they're giving him the ball and they're giving him his opportunity. And unfortunately, it didn't translate to touchdowns. But I think sometimes you just have to look at the opportunity, look at the scrimmage yards, and hope that he's going to regress to the mean. And I expect that he will regress to the mean. I'll uh, I'll tease that right now. But uh, yeah, on on Monday, I've got a uh, big fifteen hundred word article coming out on why. Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to bounce <laughs> well, back. <laughs> uh, let's see if you can change my mind, man. All right. Pre- you probably can, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I'll be interested to see it. I- I'm kind of more on your side on that one, Dave. I-, I think the hype was out of control on CEH last year, but I think it's gone too far the other way now. Uh, I-, I think he can definitely be an RB1 in that offense, um, but we'll just have to see how it goes. Um, last question before we move on to our to our find me a trade segment that I wanted to ask you guys. Um, it's not really the case now in July, but I did want to touch on the topic, which is if there are rookie picks in a draft, how do you how do you like to handle that? If you can take the one on one, the one hundred two, the one hundred three, things like that, um, so, you know, through the whole draft um, and not just the players. Uh, Nate, what do, you go first on that one, and then Dave. So we're talking about whether you can like pick your pick. Like, like in this startup, pick, if you can pick like the rookie league. picks. Yeah, yeah like, okay, it's so like the like we did in the camp. Yeah, yeah, instead so, of just getting some random rookie order, you have to pick the 101 or the 102 or 103, things like that. Yes, okay, so I love this question. I'm very much known entity versus a maybe, what could be. Um, I'm not – I deal a lot of my rookie picks. I like to keep my first and second round, but, like, when it comes to, like, third, fourth, fifth round, I really kind of unload them. I want guys that I know and know what they have done and know their situation versus we don't know where Travis Etienne's going to end up. We don't know, like, what what am I going to get? Like, especially for 2022, like, I've done some Debbie stuff. And so I have an idea of what might be landing, but I, there's so much that could happen. I want what I know is going to produce for me. I mean, I, I, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm too scared. But I want that known entity. Yeah, and and we did a, a draft recently that you and I were in together, where we were drafting placeholders for rookie picks. And yep. uh, I don't know if you remember what my strategy was, but I took the one hundred five, I took the one hundred nine, and then I didn't take a rookie pick after that. It's just there's so much unknown. Yeah, and, and yep. I'm the same way as you. I would rather because um, once you get into those like third and fourth round picks, they're dart throws, and you don't know Absolutely. what they're going to turn into. So I'd rather take a uh, an approach on a guy who I know what he's done. You know, I've seen him play in the NFL. Then uh, I mean, just the hit rate for those guys in the third and fourth round are so low that I'm not going to pass up on somebody that I've seen play on an NFL team for uh, a third or fourth round dart throw. Dart throw. Yeah, and I think in that draft, I think I had two first rounds and a second round and maybe one third round, but I didn't go past that. I, I, I love, I love the idea of having something that, you know, what it can do. Mm-hmm. You've seen it at the NFL level. You've seen the talent, you know, the scheme, you know, the offense, you know, the coordinators and the coaches, What you don't know is what that, I mean, even the one Oh one, in a rookie draft next year. Do we know what that's going to be? Do we know if it's going to be any good? Was it worth giving up DeAndre Hopkins for? Was it worth giving up Devontae Adams? I don't, I won't know. And for me as a dynasty player, it's too much unknown. Yeah, I agree. 
we were saying pretty much that we don't like doing that after the first, you know, one and a half rounds. I feel like once you get to that, like, 15th, 20th overall pick, I'd rather take an NFL player than such an unknown with a rookie pick there. Yeah, yeah and I, I'm with the first thing you said there, Nate, really touches there with me. I'm I'm big on having seen it already. And it's just, uh, yeah, the rookie picks always uh, in the drafts I've done always seem to go a little earlier um, than I'd like to take them. But, um, okay, so good discussion on unroster construction there. As always, we'll finish up with our Find Me a Trade segment. Um, For anybody who hasn't heard it before, um, basically we look at a roster for a team that a listener has submitted and try and each of us find a trade, discuss it, you know, in terms of the roster settings, in terms of roster construction, things like that. So this one is a 10-team PPR super flex with no tight end premium, 28-man roster, start 10, quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, uh, tight end, super flex, and three flex. It was submitted by Twitter user NCR2312, and he says, uh, so after the startup, I felt I was way off, uh, challenging, so I sold a lot of assets to rebuild, managed to get younger, and a number of early picks in 2021. Pretty pleased with how the team is right now after the one-year rebuild, but I want to see if there are any more moves I can make this offseason um, and if I should look to make uh, or should look to make early in the season to push me over the top to become a real challenger. And i got to pull up his roster here. He has uh, Trevor Lawrence, Jalen Hurts, Matt Ryan, Zach Wilson, uh, quarterback, so he's pretty solid there. This is a, We were talking before the show. This is a really good team here. So. It's a really good team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's funny, too. We, I mean, we have so many people that submit these that, that have really good te- I, I, when I When we came up with this segment, I expected to have a lot more, like, crappy teams that people were looking to improve <laughs> and it, like dave said it before the show it's almost like people want to humble brag with their rosters and, when they send them into me but um, that, that team is loaded yeah it is loaded yeah you'll 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 y'all hear the rest so it's uh Najee harris uh jonathan taylor cam makers antonio gibson at running back and then he's got some filler guys like joshua kelly benny snell things like that and wide receiver he's got Hopkins, McLaren, Ayuk, Boyd, Corey Davis, C.D. Lamb, uh, Jamar Chase, Rashad Bateman, and even Brian Edwards, who I still like to maybe do something. And tight end isn't as strong um, as the rest of the team, but it's not awful either. Dallas Goddard, Johnny Smith, uh, Anthony Ferkster is probably the most relevant guy after that. He's got no uh, 2022 first, but 222 seconds. Uh, so I'll let you guys go uh, first because I, I, you guys kind of did uh, different aspects of kind of the one trade I did. So, uh, Nate, I'll let you start off with your trade and we'll, we'll discuss that one a little when you get into it. Okay. So, what I would do with this roster is I'm dealing acres because I just think that he's not there. They still have Darrell Henderson, Daryl Henderson, they still have Darrell Henderson. He, the dude's talented, people are sleeping on him. And he's going to continue to get a lot of carries in that offense. You can't ignore what Akers is going to do. And people still love him for some reason, which is why you should be dealing him now. And toss in Josh Kelly just in case Austin Eckler gets hurt. I like getting David Montgomery and David Johnson. David Johnson's a dart throw. And I think it's a fair trade. I mean, if you're going to go Akers and Kelly for Montgomery and Henderson straight up, you're kind of trading one for another, 
but I think there's more upside with David Montgomery in that offense, especially with Justin Fields coming in. And I swear he's going to be the starter, Dave. And you're going to be so happy. <laughs> well, week week two or week four is when we're going to see it. It's yeah, it week, week two against the Bengals or week four against the Lions. Those are two easy softball home games. That's when we're going to see yes. it take over. And you can ride David Montgomery through those first two to four weeks, and he's still going to be great. He's going to have more upside than Cam Akers. I there's no comp. Who's his competition? Treat Cohen. Yeah, that's not that's not competition. That's David Montgomery owns that backfield, and you can get him because people are sleeping on him as I have for a long time. I think it's a good deal, and it's really the only thing I could see on that roster because it's such a good roster. Like I'm <laughs> jealous. I. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, I guess my only thought with that would be I'm just wondering if you can pull an even better second piece than David Johnson um, because the Cam Hankers hype has gotten so out of control. And I think people are down on, on Montgomery a little bit, even despite what he did last year. Uh, I, I, I think if you throw Cam Akers on the trade block, somebody's going to overpay. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at this team. This might be asking too much. You might have to add a better piece to Akers and Joshua Kelly, but I think you could, especially from his wide receiver core. Um, but just look at the other team. Maybe try and get uh, a David Montgomery and a Josh Jacobs because I think people are also very down on Josh Jacobs um, after the Kenyon Drake signing. Uh, but I still think he could be a decent piece for you. Um, so, uh, Dave, what do you think of the trade, though? Um, I mean, the one trade that I was able to find, and, and again, this was this was a tough one because it's like, look at my awesome team. How do I make this nearly perfect team even better? The only thing I could really think of, and, and this is also what I was talking about earlier, that like you don't need to choose whether you want to do the productive struggle or the win now because you can do both. And that's exactly what this guy did. He did both. He's got a bunch of young studs on his team that are going to produce right now. So what, what my advice was, was add do that. You know, right now, what you can do, the oldest person on his starting lineup was DeAndre Hopkins. So see if you can package up DeAndre Hopkins and whether it be Joshua Kelly or a second round pick or something like that and try to get one of these young stud wide receivers. If you can get yourself Justin Jefferson and then that way you've just built a juggernaut of a team that's going to compete for the next five or six years. Yeah, and I, I like that call too. I like uh, getting younger and just as elite at the position. I, I actually looked at that Justin Jefferson team and the only problem, I just I wasn't sure who to add to Hopkins to do it, but but maybe you just reach out and try and figure, you know, ask him what he went like. I'll give you second Hopkins round pick. plus, yeah, yeah, second and, round pick, and Josh Kelly, whatever, yeah. yeah. Um, you you like that one, Nate? Yeah, I don't hate it. <laughs> and Mayan, I'm interested to hear what you think of Mayan. It's, it's sort of a combination of the two, and I kind of went the overpay route here, um, which is I have Acres, um. And I actually had two different trades. Acres, Matt Ryan, and either Tyler Boyd or Corey Davis to Team Mouse 2587 for A.J. Brown and, and maybe a small piece back. I didn't come up with one just because um, if you put this in a vacuum into a calculator, it comes out as an overpay. Um, but he's got four quarterbacks. I don't mind losing Matt Ryan. He's got way more receivers than he can start. I could care less about Tyler Boyd and Corey Davis in his particular situation. Um, so it, it, you might be losing some value, um, but I think this is why I like to do this segment. I think he's still he's still making out well on that trade, even if he's overpaying to get a stud like A.J. Brown that he's going to have for years. And the, the other option I had was um, that's uh, not as much of an overpay would be Akers, for, Akers, Boyd, and Davis for A.J. Brown. Uh, and the reason I think he might do either of these, the other guy, 
Um, he has uh, he has like six quarterbacks, but none of them are guaranteed to make it through this year. <laughs> he has like uh, his six quarterbacks are uh, Sam Darnold, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Jameis Winston, Deshaun Watson, Taysom Hill, and Drew Locke. So, and he looks like he's trying to compete because he has he has uh, CMC on his team, he has Tyreek Hill on his team. Um, he's got, and he's not graded RB two, which Acres would help with. Uh, so uh, the, I think he, either of these would make sense for him. He doesn't have a ton of wide receiver depth either. He's got like Tyreek, AJ Brown and Odell Beckham. Um, and even his starting lineup does, I'm not even sure he can field 10 pieces that are, are really that great. So, uh, what do you think you guys, uh, you guys think it's an overpay and if so, um, you think it's worth it? I don't think there's such thing as an overpay for AJ Brown. If you're getting AJ <laughs> Brown on your team, do whatever you can, man. Cause that dude, he is the next Julio Jones. I mean, it's, yep. it's just so poetic that they ended up on the same team together because I think Julio Jones is going to hand that baton as the, you know, he just fits in with that Calvin Johnson type where it's just like the alpha of all alphas. And I think that AJ Brown is going to be, you know, one of the top three wide receivers just year in and year out for the next decade. So I, I don't think it's possible to overpay for AJ Brown. Dude, how well do you think Ryan Tannehill sleeps at night now? Whew. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. He got, I, I mean, got, I got unreal. me Derek Henry. I got me AJ Brown. I got me Julio Jones. It breaks my heart that they lost Johnny because Johnny would just fit in so well with that group. <laughs> I was so surprised. I thought like between Corey Davis and Johnny, they were going to keep one. Yeah, I wrote about it. They were going to keep mm-hmm. one. They had That's to keep one. They, too. they had the money to keep one. I thought it was going to be Corey Davis, probably not Johnu. But to let both of them go, like that's mm-hmm. wild. But I mean, we're not yeah, NFL GMs. But then we <laughs> saw. I mean, Donu went out and got a fifty million dollar contract, and I don't know if that was his price tag. I don't know if they could have afforded that. I, th- I thought he was going to sign for a little bit cheaper somewhere. I don't know if yeah, he overpaid. But yeah, Johnu Johnu got paid. I don't know, man. I feel like this is the year we find out if Belichick is a genius or an idiot who got lucky taking Tom <laughs> Brady in the sixth round. Like, yep, yep. <laughs> Well, I think uh, last year might have given us a little uh, peek into that, whether uh, <laughs> whether it was Brady or <laughs> Belichick. Um, but I, I guess one thing I was just thinking as you were saying this, so it sounds like both you like Johnu more than Hunter Henry in New England? Yes. Yeah, I do. Absolutely. Okay. The one thing I like to joke around about, though, is you read every, you know, everyone was saying, you know, uh, Bill Belichick had that quote from a couple years ago talking about Johnu Smith, and he complimented him on his blocking, his route running, his – uh, rushing abilities, yards after the catch ability, but the first thing he mentioned was his blocking ability. So don't be surprised if he ends up just you know playing that inline role and blocking a lot more than he's uh, going to be running routes while Hunter Henry goes out and runs the routes. Wouldn't surprise me. It's a it's a weird situation. You know what? I hear like totally. I get what you're saying, but I think that that's going to be a mix between the two. I mean, think mm-hmm. about what he did with Gronk and Aaron Rodriguez. Did no. Aaron Hernandez. Hernandez. God, <laughs> how did I punt that one? Um, but did, did Bill Belichick loves that 12 personnel, man. Like, and he's got two incredibly talented tight ends. And both of those dudes were fantasy relevant the years that they were going off. They were. It, and it, it could be feast on both. Yeah, I'm curious to see how it plays out. I haven't been buying either because I can't figure out which guy, which guy's gonna. I, one of them's gonna matter more, and I, I'd rather have that guy. I'll pay a little more when I figure out who it is. Um, but but good trades all around, guys. This is a great show. Um, that'll finish us up. That that was our last trade. So I want to thank you both for coming on. Uh, I want to give you uh, each a chance to just sort of plug your stuff. So Nate, again, thanks for coming on. Uh, just tell everybody where they can find you. Anything you want to plug, go go for it. 
Well, thanks for having me. This was a blast. This is the last of my six shows in three days run. When I'm done with this, I'm literally running upstairs and starting to pack suitcases. Um, but this was great, man. And to get my first show with Dave, yeah. uh, just so awesome. Long time. We've hung out a couple of times. We're first time right. we doing a show together. Right, yeah. right. So um, I am first and foremost at Janate Jack FF on Twitter. And then I am the social media digital media editor for in between media at IBT underscore media um, and in dash between media.com on the web. I've also got at 32 and 32 FF, which I'm firing up with my beautiful wife at Jen Paul vote on Twitter. Uh, it's going to be 32 minutes of covering 32 teams for redraft during the season and some other stuff that we have going on. We have some writers coming in um, at FF thieves on Twitter. That's kind of a new thing that's firing up thieves you know rocky i know if you know you know if you know you know it's (laughs) it's gonna be awesome um and then i've got at edge off chaos that we have a show every tuesday it's fun we do like a family dinner a fun draft and we talk a lot about fantasy football with some really intelligent people uh cory spala james crease jeff bell cooter doodle hops on with us from time to time we've got mike who hops on with us from time to time as well so i've, I've been on three times but it's never but the same never time with you've me. been on it's always <laughs> the opposite. With me. yeah which is so funny because i like helped create the show and then i can't come on sometimes <laughs> it's a whole thing but yeah it's a it's a cool collective um lots of things going on i mean mostly if you want to know what i'm doing follow me on twitter at janate jack ff and the rest will come to you because i'm on all day yeah, man. Just just want to give a shout out to Jen, who's also doing great stuff in the fantasy space. Nate Nate's cl- clearly better half. So, oh, uh, clear. <laughs> it's not even close. <laughs> um, but Dave, uh, want to you know give you a chance to do the same thing? Twitter handle, everything you're doing. Let everybody know. Yeah, just find me on Twitter at Dave Kluge. That's uh, Dave K L U G E. And then uh, what I'm doing right now is uh, I'm doing a bunch of deep dives on different players for football guys. So um, you know, just some uh, some floor and ceiling projections along with uh, you know what I kind of expect them to do this year. So I've done Lamar Jackson, AJ Brown, uh, Clyde Edwards-Helaire, Joe Mixon. And still working on quite a few more. I should be pumping out at least uh, one or two a week during the entire offseason up until kickoff. So follow me on Twitter and you'll see all those. Okay. That's, uh, again, I want to thank you both for coming on. And I'm just going to finish up with some of our stuff here. Uh, I just want to, you know, I'm at Dynasty FF Addict on Twitter. You can follow me there. Follow the pod at Dynasty Junkies. Follow the DAP network at DAP underscore network. Um, you can be alerted. Uh, you also follow that on YouTube. You can be alerted when you uh, we go live uh, this show as well as Fantasy Timeline, uh, which is another great pod on the Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network. And uh, if you like what you've heard, please give us a subscribe, rate, and review. We really appreciate it. Let us know what you think, what, what, what you want to see from the pod. And uh, I think that will do it for this week. Uh, we'll be back next week, actually, at a slightly later time, 10 p.m. next week, uh, if you're going to tune in live. Uh, but I appreciate everybody watching and listening. Junkies out.